Well, we flipped the calendar to uh, August. We start thinking about football. As Missouri Valley Football Conference Media Day was today. And I might have just uh, finished up as uh, all coaches, all the coaches, Patty Viverito, had a few words uh, with the media today as well. And Vikings getting ready as uh, Daniil Hunter. First practice yesterday. So much to, uh, to talk about here, and we will get to that as much as we can with the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson inside the Gunderson Jewelers Studio. OMG, oh my Gundersons. And on the road, he has successfully maneuvered his way back to the lower 48. Hello, Jack Michaels. Uh, good day, is it? What day is it? It is Tuesday. It, two, yeah, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, we are in the... We are in the... In the contiguous. Yes, we are in the contiguous. We've... Made it back through on the all-night drive as we watch the sunrise over the Floyd River in Sioux City, Iowa. But, yes, yeah, it's a, another series, Brad, the final leg. What would this be, the, the Belmont of the uh, 10-day road trip? or the Yeah, this, this is uh, the final yes. leg of a, of a, of a 10-gamer. Sioux Falls uh, is the Kentucky Derby? Wow. I, uh, well, yeah, well, okay. Not in some yeah, people's let's... eyes, but okay. <laughs> Let's revisit that for a second. But yeah, so here in Sioux, I tell you, the Red Hawks are getting their, they're going to get their hands. Uh, they're going to be full of the Sioux and Winnipegs of this world because uh, we no sooner turn around after uh, this trip to Sioux City, Iowa, and turn around and play Sioux Falls at home, and then got Sioux City, I believe, we get at home, and then it's back to Winnipeg. That's so, great. I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, it's just in, incredible. So. Yeah, but we made it uh, safely uh, uh, through at a little bit lengthier border stop, and and uh, you know, and 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 uh, you know that I, I don't feel sorry for the Red Hawks, even though I hope the guys are all tucked in their beds right now. But because that's a long one, you know, you think about the Gold Eyes; they were they were behind us at the border last night slash this morning, and they had to still go to Kansas City. Brad. Oh boy, wow. yeah. That's a chart. That's a uh, that's a little bit of a jaunt. And yeah, yesterday the Red Hawks fell uh, to Winnipeg, but took three out of four, and uh, and that's all good. And you mentioned August first. You know what that means uh, in the it not only as we turn the calendar, and you mentioned football media day in the Valley and all of that, and we'll hear uh, from uh, some of that uh, coming up this week on the show. But it also means trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It also, uh, you know, the Cardinals still have enough guys left to play the Twins tonight, right? I uh, think so, yes. So, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of looking to see. Let's see if we have any live updates. A lot of talk about Justin Verlander. That's certainly uh, mm-hmm. uh, very interesting. Yeah, the Cardinals, yeah, they, uh, it's been a disappointing run, but uh, uh, looks like Paul DeYoung and uh, starting pitcher Jack Flaherty, they could be, uh, they could be moving perhaps as, uh, um, that's a possibility. There's a few things. I'm curious if the Twins are going to – I if the Twins do anything, I think it'll be a minor move here and there. Um, I guess I would not – if somebody gave you the right uh, the right deal for Sonny Gray, I'd say take it, but I don't know if anybody's going to give you what you want in that regard, so I don't see that happening, but you never know. Um, but we'll see. I, and there'll be a good question – and we'll get Dick Bramer's take coming up here later on in the program. Speaking of the Red Ox, they will be home this weekend. And um, I have for Sunday's game. Uh-oh. Yep. It's that time, kids. <laughs> uh, for Sunday's game, Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock, Sioux Falls Canaries. Uh, I've got a four-pack of tickets. Let's do, let's text Sunday to 35270. Sunday to 35270, and uh, you will be in the running. We'll pick a couple of the winners for some four-packs. Uh, just make sure you be, be able to go on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Love the Sunday baseball. You know, it's it's a day game, and uh, Sioux Falls, in case you you haven't noticed, despite the fact that, you know, it's funny, Brad, when, uh, when Chris and I, Coaster and I sit and chat about, you know, because managers got to just be worried, as you, you know, for that, you know, they're trying to, get the team right and fix the team don't have a lot often time to look at big pictures and things like that guys like you and me we can sit back and look at big pictures oh sure and, and do that as as kind of fans and, and whatever and and sioux falls is one of those teams that is a sneaky team you know chris talks off and he goes you know i see i know lincoln's right behind the red hawks and sioux city you know obviously is chasing fargo moorhead too uh, everybody's chasing Kansas City, 
And every after every game, Chris goes, man, the team that kind of worries me a little bit is Sioux Falls getting hot because they've got these, you know, they've got a good lineup. You know, Wyatt Ulrich is a pesky hitter. Jabari Henry, a big hitter. Got a switch hitter in Shemoy Christopher, who's a catcher that can do some damage. Hunter Clannon had like three home runs and 12 RBI in a three-game stretch between the Red Hawks and his next game. And then uh, Mike Hart, who's a big bopper, uh, you know, and they, and they play enough defense and they have just enough pitching, uh, you know, to kind of keep them in the game and they've got a tremendous closer. So whenever time we finish the series, no matter who we're playing, uh, I'll take the standings out. And Chris, Chris will always say, Sioux Falls, that is the team that, that, could go either way, and that's the one of those pesky little juggernauts. That so, uh, as far as uh, people texting in Sunday to three five two seven zero, and and we'll draw for for tickets. That's not a bad series at all, mind you. This weekend against Sioux Falls, the Red Hawks. I'm not going to use the word have to, Brad, but boy, it'd be nice to get them and, and at least get a series win mm-hmm. and keep them down because they're just on the outside looking in and you don't want that team to gain momentum and you know i don't know who that you know what i just described in the american association i don't know who that is in mlb right now i mean it's it's all about the trade deadline but that's that's sioux falls in a nutshell so uh behoove you to text sunday to three five two seven hours as bradley mentioned oh, and uh, yes we are off to a fast start there we'll oh, have uh, we'll have some to pick from in that regard Hey, hey, Brad. What do you think of? Obviously, Otani's not going anywhere. Yep. And I, and I, um, you know that that has consumed a lot of the oxygen in baseball talk, and, and rightfully so, because this guy is going to step into being one of the highest paid contract athletes in our generation. I mean, it's going to be off the charts. We get that when when free agency hits. And you know what? I can't blame Moreno. I can't blame the Angels for not trading him you know what i mean and i get it the value was there obviously if someone could chew it up and they could you know while they have him could garner a lot for him but i think maybe the only chance you have of retaining him in in free agency after the season is probably to keep him right where he was right here and 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 roll those dice and show those fans that you know okay here's the deal we're going to have otani we're going to work with him and his agents in the offseason free you know free agency and and i guess uh you know let the cards fall where they may so before i was thinking you know high value guy and if someone wants to to back it up and 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 make deals and and you replenish your team by that high value piece yeah that seemed really good but you know what now that i've thought about this a little bit i'm thinking okay okay angels it's it's keep them here negotiate the best and maybe convince uh, otani yeah, as you work out to to maintain his day uh, in in Orange County, so we'll we'll see. I guess how that rolls. I, I think I asked that question when the uh, Twins. I know, in fact, I know I did when the Twins played the Angels and I visited with Corey. And I thought, where could he? You know, the the money he could command is going to be off the charts. But where would he go? And he says, and Corey's hunch was West Coast. Uh, he thought maybe you know, obviously the Dodgers, LA, Seattle. Yep, Seattle was one that he thought just because of kind of that connection. Uh, easy flight back home if he wants to go back home. They kind of had that with Ichiro as well, that that might be a possibility. But if, you probably figure East Coast, but he thought West Coast teams. So, you know, Dodgers, Angels, uh, I don't know if the Giants would want to do it. But, yeah, he, he mentioned the Mariners might be a sleeper in that. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I and I don't know if you're, you know, if you're if you're in the in the Angels front office and and uh, trying to figure out the pieces, it, it got to be a little obvious when the, the news kind of died down with Otani about trading him. So I I don't I don't know. It's a good spot to be in if you're Otani. If you're Otani, Brad, you, I know you entertain offers, mm-hmm. but uh, it, <laughs> now I can't believe I'm using this word. And with all due respect to all players who play, because go get what they. If someone's going to pay you, go get it. But um, loyalty, is there a sense of uh, belonging? Maybe this is one for Richard also coming up for Dick Bramer <laughs> 1220. But it, it is loyalty, and, and maybe we'll bring it up with him too, but I'll get your thoughts. Do you think loyalty um, uh, is there anymore 
in sport period whether it be college or or pro do you think that that or is that gone? Is that I, the Cal Ripkins of this world, you know, those that were loyal to a team, you know, or is that not even part of the equation? few and far between, I think. And I think yeah. a lot of it is, you know what I think it really depends on, Jack, is who's their agent? No. Yeah. You know, does, does, does the agent look at that or are they just looking dollar signs and what's, the, and obviously they have to work, they're working for, they're working for these, for these players. So they're trying to work the best deal and what they can for their client. But I don't know if loyalty, how how far down the line that is these days. I can't. I think it's gotten lower and lower as we've gone along. I, uh, I, I yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I, I know that athletes. Everybody wants you know what they want a championship, you know. So that's that's it. They 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 want to win a championship, and and they will. Their agents will work them deals to to entertain offers to be on teams they feel that uh, are going to win a championship now. I don't think throwing a bunch of money and just signing everybody in the, in the in the free world guarantees you a championship. I mean, look at some of the highest payroll teams right now, Brad and MLB, and uh, and where they are. And then look at some of the teams that maybe aren't as spending as much. And I don't know if that if that makes people kind of rethink uh, things. So I don't know if that's a guarantee. But about the loyalty question too, I know that. Uh, that be that players certainly want to win a championship, and I, I don't know if your team like the Angels that you can convince that you're gonna gonna build around and and, and promise you know and promise Otani that you'll you'll be better and you're gonna maybe win a big here in this town you know and sign this and plus you you're beloved by the fans you you've had your same locker probably for how many years you know the the gate attendance you, you develop right. relationships with the you know the what does that mean anything anymore but and i had to include college because we're seeing the same thing well yeah it, it's a very in good college point. right well yeah and as you say we're gonna hear some comments uh in the second half hour of the show i was up at the press conference yesterday uh jay bartley leading the uh, the new the the green and gold uh Collective? Collective, yes, uh, to start basically kind of an NIL fund for NDSU Athletics. I think they um, they didn't jump, they kind of didn't jump right away in talking. Uh, Jay was had some comments and kind of talking with him beforehand um, that they were very patient with this. They have, uh, they've talked to uh, representatives uh, that uh, have collectives at other schools. You mentioned Northern Iowa, Nebraska, among others, and, and I think they kind of waited to see how this was all going to uh, going to react uh, and decided to kind of, you know, kind of take their time in doing this. But I think got some coaches kind of nudging them saying, Hey, we need to do this or we're not going to be able to, we got to try and keep up here. And I know the comment I made was doing morning sports this morning on KFGO. It's, it's the price of doing business in college athletics these days. Yeah. That, and, and we, we've seen that. We wonder if you're losing the edge to other schools or, you know, I think in NDSU's case, having, Probably saw some players that that bolted uh, because of NIL and and uh, you know bigger quote unquote greener pastures, greener and more gold pastures maybe somewhere else. And and I think uh, it it took I guess a guy like Jay who's certainly loyal and committed. Speaking of commitment and loyalty, very loyal and committed uh, to his alma mater um, uh, to do that, and a man of the business world as well. And and uh, you know that that. Yeah, you know, and he's got ties to, to team makers too through his family, and I know that there's two separate entities there. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing for fans uh, to understand, or those supporters of the program, of uh, the difference between these different revenue arms, and that'll be NDSU's challenge is to uh, is and, and Jay's challenge probably is to how do you keep those arms separate, continue to grow mm-hmm. one one group that is. Uh, you know that that's kind of been the foundation of fundraising arm and all that, and now a new group that has you know this collective dollars that are banked and put into a a pool that is dispersed how they want it or could be earmarked from what I understand to yes. wherever those donations go, Brad. So I think that's the challenge for this is people to understand the difference between the two, much like for North Dakota, you know, the difference between scholarships, cost of, you know, attendance money that's coming in, and then uh, the Alston Award and, and those dollars, that, that those million that million dollars that's, that's there. So 
uh, but yeah, this is what it is. So I'm sure any revenue arm is good, and will it be enough to to keep slash and or attract? Mm-hmm. Um, you like to think so, and that's certainly what what Jay is is banking on, and and uh, what what NDSU is banking on. Yep, and uh, we'll hear from Matt Larson. I had a chance to uh, visit with him and Dave Richmond as well, who I think knows fully well about this, uh, kind of with the <laughs> Grant Nelson saga from last season. So, and then uh, Dave's team. Uh, they're going to be uh, playing down in Costa Rica. They're leaving this weekend. So I had a couple questions about uh, that to Dave. So we'll uh, hear from that. Uh, hear from Dave coming up uh, here in a few minutes um, as well. The uh, preseason Valley football poll is out. No surprise. South Dakota State, number one, got uh, 44 of 45 first place votes. NDSU second. UND landed fourth uh, ahead of Southern Illinois and behind Northern Iowa. Are you surprised by that? Not really surprised. I think uh, I, I think that's a that's a you know, and and polls, you know how good those are, Brad. Till you start the uh, season, but uh, I I think that's fair. I think the fact that you've got a, a an offensive line that has been together now a few years, so you've been strong in the trenches for North Dakota. I think obviously you've got a quarterback at the helm that has been an all preseason all conference guy that is one of the uh, top quarterbacks in the league, and Tommy Schuster. I think you've got. You know, you 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 still got some wide receivers despite losing Garrett Mogg, uh, but you know you you picked up Wesley Elidor, who's who is a tremendous player in the league that transferred to North Dakota, and uh, you know defensively they they've got enough there uh, that can still uh, do some damage. And even though maybe maybe defense, you know they've made a shift down with the uh, coordinators and whatnot. So um yeah I, I think if four is a good number i think for bubba's uh crew mm-hmm. and i think the team that is has been trying to find its footing and and consistency i guess maybe that because they've made splashes certainly but find consistency i think the pollsters we now see some of that consistency growing so i think now here is the 2023 season approaches usual suspects at the top in 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 the south dakota states and north dakota states I think that's a fair assessment to a team that is kind of beginning to certainly find some traction and now time to take that next step. So four is a good one. Now you just got to gotta play up to it and live up to it. And we'll hear some of Bob's comments, but that was, uh, a, that was I think, that a lot of media members wanted with uh, with the new defensive coordinator and Joel Schwensfire and obviously Tom Bo- Tom Dosh back in the full, our old friend yep. uh, uh, right. as the linebackers coach. And uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of questions and and. Uh, a lot of open spots, quite frankly, in that in that defense, and uh, so that leads to hopefully to open competition. and And I would think, you know, depth depth's an issue with everybody, but you know, is, does UND maybe have more depth than they've had uh, at the uh, at this level, at least in the last few years, at least, at least yeah. since moving to the valley? It is. I mean, we're so used to to like wondering, like, boy, do the does anybody graduate from South Dakota State and North Dakota State? Because it seems like the, the, a lot of the same play, they just reload and reload. Uh, and obviously they do, but you're right. Uh, for, for UND, you know, C.J. Siegel is a is a tremendous defensive back that has found himself on, on a lot of uh, uh, lists early on. So, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's right. You know, the, the depth is always the thing that, that's going to define whether you, uh, you know, depth is the difference between first round and second or third round on good football teams, don't you? That, that is the clear definition and de- deciding factor to me whether you uh, flame out after maybe a, a first-round playoff or stay alive in the second and third. No, no question. That, that's everything. Yeah, right? and uh, Exhibit A is just uh, just up in North Fargo. I think that's uh, – they, yep. they, and they've that depth has been tested the last couple of years due to injuries and – and uh, you know, guys leaving the program, you know, in during the season last year. So I mean, it was definitely, uh, definitely tested. But they've always they've answered the bell more times than not. Um, State Class A Legion tournament uh, there in the championship going on right now. Wapaton and Kindred are scoreless in the second inning on that one, and uh, Kindred survived last night. Wapaton beat Castleton, so uh, Wapaton right now in the driver's seat on that, and uh, we'll uh, keep you posted on that game here today. Twelve twenty. We'll talk some Twins baseball. We'll see if they rebound and what does the trade deadline look like. With Dick Raymer, TV voice of the Twins, brought to you by Jefferson Lines in a moment.
talking twins. Brad Anderson in our 740 The Fan studios. Jack Michaels on the road in Iowa on a uh, 10-game straight road trip, 13 in a row. And the legendary Dick Bramer joining us today, brought to you by Jefferson Lines as the twins get set to shake off what happened in Kansas City and all, uh, all all boats rolling forward, so to speak, uh, through St. Louis and, and a date with the Cardinals. Dick, good afternoon. How's everything in, in uh, Dick Bramer's world today? Well, we're anxious to get the re- season restarted after an off day here in St. Louis. And uh, obviously the off day in Kansas City didn't set things up very well for the Twins getting swept in uh, western Missouri. So we'll uh, see if things are a little bit better playing another last place team uh, in eastern Missouri. I was uh, I was joking with Brad when we were te- you know t- doing the tease Dick Bremer coming up and I said yeah the Twins in St Louis the Cardinals still have enough guys right they didn't trade I know they traded the uh, the, the their their closer uh, Jordan Hicks I know mm-hmm. that I think he went to Toronto I believe and I think they they traded uh, Jordan Montgomery another pitcher and a reliever Chris Stratton but uh, the Cards have enough but obviously we knew that they were going to be uh, players so to speak uh, come trade deadline didn't we Dick. Right, and uh, you know you've got the situation up in Toronto where Bo Bichette hurt his knee last night. We don't know yet the severity of that, but now they're in on talks to get Paul DeYoung, shortstop for the Cardinals. This is really a fascinating day, and you really, as a fan now, you really don't know what to root for. If you're saying, uh, hey, we need to, to get uh, uh, a right-handed hitter who really does well against left-handed pitching. That is, by the way, a need for the Twins. Well, do you want to give up Alex Kirilov for that or Trevor Larnick or Royce Lewis? Because that's what other teams are going to be looking for, some of the top prospects in the organization. Twins kind of pushed their chips in a year ago to try to get more pitching, getting O'Malley and Lopez, and that didn't really work out. So you you really got to be careful what you hope for because it might come true. Well, that's a very good point. It's kind of, to me, it's kind of a two-part question for you. Of the moves of last year, does that maybe make the Twins a little bit gun-shy? And what's happened here in the last week, does that change things on what they, what moves they want to make or if they're going to make moves? Well, there's probably just one or two guys who can answer that, and that's uh, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. You could understand it if uh, giving some prospects away to Baltimore and Cincinnati, prospects who've helped turn those franchises around uh, rather uh, abruptly, uh, whether that might, uh, you know, cause the twins to be hesitant to do moves like that. And you just don't know, you know, I mean, you know, the twins could probably have gotten Josh Hader, although the Padres are actually adding here and and not selling. They probably could have gotten Josh Hader from the Padres if they wanted to give up Royce Lewis. So it's as fans, I think we're, we're focused on who the twins are bringing in and there's less focus on who you're giving up. And sometimes we probably ought to, talk a little bit more about uh, you know the players, the prospects given up to acquire the veterans because as uh, the Braves proved way back in 1987, they traded a, a veteran starting pitcher, Doyle Alexander, to the Tigers who helped them get to the playoffs. They ended up being beaten by the Twins, and all the Tigers had to give up was a Class A pitching prospect, but that prospect was John Smoltz, and that's one the, the uh, Tigers probably wish they hadn't made. Dick Bramer joining us uh, today talking twins and oftentimes Dick because we can afford to kind of crystal ball and look big and we, we you know fans I'm sure are wondering and I by my assessment I believe the twins have 55 games remaining and they have 54 wins and they're a game up on Cleveland who's got who's 53 and 54 twins are 54 and 53 a lot of fives coming your way here Dick then there's 55 <laughs> games remaining and and say for instance the twins play roughly 500 ball and then you know and, and, and maybe they they get about 20 26 uh, you know 27 wins somewhere in that area that puts you uh, right around 80 81 wins I guess the big picture here two-part is uh, can can low 80s win the central? Is that a possibility in your mind? And B, if you get into the postseason, if the Twins don't do anything from here on out, today's trade deadline, uh, do they have enough if they get some of those pieces healthy back? Because in the postseason, it's a little different than the regular season, right, Dick? So there's a there's a loaded two-part question for you. The one about, you know, what wins the division? Is there a number that you have in mind now? And then number two, uh, can the Twins, with the, with the deck of cards that they have right now, 
play him efficiently enough to, to do some damage. Well, let's look at the 55 games, and I think if you look at the talent on this team, uh, the way the starting pitching, for the most part, has held up uh, more than 100 games into the season, uh, it's entirely reasonable to expect this team to go 30 and 25. So now you're at 84 wins, and you know the 87 bunch only won 85 games, and then they got into the tournament, and that's how Gary Gaetti described it in 87. You get into the tournament, they were heavy underdogs against the Tigers that year. And, you know, the series ne- never came back to Minnesota. They beat the Tigers in five games. Now, it's it, there's a much more, you know, a, a lengthier path to the World Series now than there was back in 87 and 91. And, and that's the biggest concern, I think, uh, to answer your second question. If, if the teams that get to October should have, at some point during the regular season, had a really, really good month, because that's what it's going to take to get through October and win the World Series. Well, the Twins haven't done that. The Guardians haven't done that. The Guardians just, you know, so far their moves for this year have been trading their starting shortstop and and their most effective, healthiest pitcher in Savali. So it's like they have come to the conclusion that where we are right now, we're, we're not in position to either win the division or do anything once we get to the playoffs. And I don't think the Twins are anywhere near that. I think they feel that, if Royce Lewis comes back and he can anchor third base and, and you know, the pitching stays reasonably healthy, that this team can do some damage. It is a tournament, and there are underdogs and favorites, but as we've seen in the past, sometimes the underdogs do as well as the favorites. How concerned do we need to be with uh, with Joe Ryan? And I know guys have been sitting on maybe his fastball, especially early in games, but uh, how concerned are you with uh, how he's uh, performed here in recent starts? Well, it's a game of adjustments, and since that uh, start in uh, Atlanta where they hit five home runs in the first couple innings against him, he has had one good start, I think, since then. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you, Joe's going to have to figure it out, and if they're you know, getting that, uh, hitting that fastball that's high but still in the strike zone, well, he needs to you know, work on that elevation and, and make the adjustments. And they're, this is a very unforgiving business, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher. If a team um, adjusts to your strengths, well, then you'd better find some other strengths. So I think the Twins are going to be very curious. I know the fans are to see how Joe does here in the next couple of starts. Dick Bramer uh, talking Twins today. We were chatting, Dick, before you came on because we certainly had grilled you enough on your thoughts on, on Shohei Otani and what the Angels, you know, should do, would do. It would do if we ran the, you know, if we ran the team. Here's what I would do, and I'd take that and get value for it. Otherwise, you, you run the risk of losing him. And now, in hindsight, Dick, I, I think the Angels are, are going to go by the way of look. Let, let's negotiate uh, with him. Certainly, the suitors are going to come, but maybe, just maybe, we can find a way to, to keep him in in Orange County and Anaheim there, and and, uh, and 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 the rest is history. And then we brought up the team, the, the because the money is going to be incredible. <laughs> Just going to be awesome. The the the, the big that the is, but we brought the word loyalty, and and I don't know as we discussed loyalty and and go get whatever you're worth, right? I mean, I know that we live in that society, and good for those players. They go get what someone's going to offer you. But is that a word anymore, Dick? In your circles, when you're watching these ball players, how a guy that plays for a team, even though maybe could break the bank in free agency has a sense of belonging to a community and a team and an organization and a fan base or, you know, the, the ushers that they've gotten to know over the years and mm-hmm. you're big on all that. Is, is that a thing anymore in pro sport? I think it depends on the players. Probably depends on the sport too, but let's, uh, let's contrast, uh, for instance, the Byron Buxton negotiations of a couple of years ago. Byron felt loyalty to the organization. They were the team that drafted him, developed him. Uh, he went through some lean times within the organization and felt some loyalty. Otani's different. He didn't go through the Angels system. He was an established player in Japan. They signed him as a free agent um, because he felt for the next several years, six years, that that uh, he would uh, that was the best team he could go to where he thought he had a chance to win. Well, it hasn't happened, right? Well, so the Angels are in a market where they – as high as the price tag is going to be, and even though they have more than any other team in baseball signed players to really horrible, horrible contracts, and they haven't gotten the bang for the buck on a lot of them 
uh, for many, many years. But they have the resources financially to resign this guy. The, the missing link from Otani's standpoint was, will the Angels win? Well, they are, they're taking care of that. They're making moves to try to, well, to win. But then within that, also try to convince Otani that they will be aggressive. They do want to get into the playoffs. They do want to win a World Series. And more than the money itself, I think that's what the man wants. I don't know him at all. But that's what he presumably is more interested in, the money. I mean, how much money can you spend, right? He's going to make $60 million for 10 years or whatever it's going to be. But the one missing thing is he wants to play in and win a World Series. So the one thing the Angels haven't done, yet is convince him that they're going to put a winner on the field and they're taking steps to do that. Yeah, that that certainly was the thought. It's that ring, isn't it, Dick? It is. Uh, the money is there, and these guys are wealthy. They're, they're, their great-grandchildren are going to be set for college. I get it uh, for most of these guys, <laughs> but it, it still is that ring, isn't it, Dick? Uh, for, well, for and that's, most I, you know, pro sports, uh, you know, some people have been, uh, kind of lost interest in it or they're, you know, disturbed or turned off by the financial aspect of it. Uh, when I started with the Twins in 1983, the economics were far different. It was the ring. It was the championship. And uh, it's nice to know that as the economics of the game have changed, it still is, for most people, uh, the most important thing. If they get a ring, uh, that and they're so big now, people can't even wear them, but it's just the, the token of, we were part of a championship team, and that still drives a lot of the emotion in Major League Baseball. Well, tonight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Pablo Lopez, uh, is that correct, going uh, for the uh, the Twins? I haven't checked the temperature in St. Louis, but, Dick, this I, mean, I get on the road, and I'm not I'm sure what you do on the road calling games, but I'm on the weather channel half the time, even though it's on the app, going, wow, look how hot <laughs> it is down Wow, look how hot it is out there. Now, St. Louis can get a tad warm, Dick, but I haven't checked it out. But what do you think of this series here? You just talked a little bit about how the trade deadline uh, may or may not continue to be affected here for St. Louis. But your overall thoughts on the, on the Twins and Cardinals re- resurrect a lot of great memories, I'm sure, for fans. Yeah, for one thing, uh, it'll be about 20 degrees cooler here in St. Louis than it was when we started the road trip in Kansas City. So that'll be a relief. Um, and I'm working the telecast with Roy Smalley, who was a part of the uh, 87 World Championship Twins team that beat the Cardinals, and uh, we had a little fun with it on the air in Kansas City. He is going to wear his 87 World Championship ring to Bush Stadium tonight, just kind of show it off a little bit. Uh, He hasn't been to St. Louis since that 87 World Series. Cardinals are really struggling, and they're not going to be the team that they have struggled with uh, with trades here or there. And the Twins, frankly, need to wake up. You know, you could argue that all five teams in the American League Central have been disappointments in Major League Baseball this year, including the first-placed uh, Minnesota Twins. They need to get uh, back on track. They, we thought they were on track first couple of weeks after the All-Star break, but now a five-game losing streak, and the Twins uh, will uh, hope, and the fans will too, that they'll end that tonight in St. Louis. You know, in Kansas City, Dick, uh, that ballpark still shows well, and I, it just still surprises me that they that they there's been talk about maybe you know that's been floated about putting a ballpark downtown. I don't know why you wouldn't. It's uh, that that Coffin Stadium is still a, a great place to watch a ball game. Yeah, I asked uh, some people with the Royals uh, over the weekend. Okay, so they're going to announce in September the the Royals are uh, where their preferred site is for the new ballpark, which is almost a certainty at this point. And I said, well, what's going to happen here uh, with this ballpark? Because they have maintained it, as the Twins have, Target Field. It looks, uh, you know, as great as it did when it first opened a long, long time ago. And I said, well, I don't know, they'll probably bulldoze it. And it would be just a shame because it is such a great place to watch a ballpark. They were so forward-thinking 50 years ago when they built the thing uh, with the Chiefs Stadium right next door. They were so forward-thinking to have uh, a site for a baseball team, and then next to it, a site for a football team, uh, it would be a shame. And there's probably 15 uh, markets out there in Major League Baseball that would like to put Coffin Stadium up on wheels and uh, deliver it to uh, Oakland, <laughs> Tampa, wherever, you know, because it is such a beautiful ballpark. It would be a shame to see it go away. I uh, We should do the, since I was in that dream world here, if you could bring back one twin 
from the 87 team, and the Cardinals can bring back one Cardinal from the 87 team to play in this series. Who would that, uh, maybe Frankie V, who was Frank, Frank was the most valuable player, wasn't he not, I think, of that 87? Yeah, I wonder who you'd uh, bring back for each just to kind of sprinkle, well, Ozzie Smith maybe now for the Cardinals too. That'd be fun to play, right, Dick? They may have an opening at shortstop by the time we get there tonight with the young perhaps going to Toronto. Well, for the Twins, it'd be easy. It'd be Kirby Puckett, of course. You know, uh, Kirby mashed left-handed pitching, and that is maybe the biggest weakness for this Twins team right now. And for Cardinals fans, they they still will talk about it here. They wish in 87 uh, that they had Jack Clark. He had a monster year for the Cardinals and could not play because of injury. And that was a big, big factor. We know the World Series won seven games. If Jack Clark uh, had been in uh, the Cardinal lineup and been available to them, I'm not so sure the Twins would have won the World Series, and I'm not so sure the series ever would come back to Minnesota for game six and seven. So those will be my answers. Great answers right there. Yeah, we think of those Cardinals teams. We think about the, you know, some of the speed that they had there. Would it be the, you know, the, the speed? But then Jack Clark was that was the bopper that they that they had. That's a good uh, good call. Love walking down some memory lane and current lane here with Dick Bramer. A vast knowledge and 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 uh, of information on a, on a pretty important day in baseball. Dick, go have a good call and uh, and hopefully those twins, as you said, can get some traction and get moving again and maybe can separate a little bit in that uh, that central division here in the next couple of weeks dick as always thanks for your time i know it's precious we'll talk to you next week we'll talk to you next week from detroit yes dick bremer brought to you by jefferson lines joining us today on the jack michael show brad anderson in studio at uh, brad that 87 world series you know and you thought you had uh, the the terry pendletons and and uh, Jose Okendo's, and uh, you know, say, and then you, you look at that twin. You're forgetting Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman. Oh my goodness! Willie yeah, McGee when I talk about the speed and guys, yeah, Coleman. Yes. Yeah, Coleman. Yeah, then laying on that turf at Bush Stadium, they were. Uh, oh, that was a different type of baseball. You certainly don't see it now. And I think if I, if if memory serves, Pendleton was hurt. He played. I think he could only DH. I'm not sure if he could play in the field or he, he could only hit left-handed or right. I, I, there was. He was not 100%, I recall, in that series. Was it the <laughs> – get me to really research. Was it Tom – Tom Lawless. Lawless that did the did a little – like a, a the bad flip in uh, – was it like game three or four he homered? Game four, he hit one off of Frankie. There it is. And and did the little – The bad flip. A little bad flip, right? You For know, a guy that, that had two hits the whole <laughs> season. <laughs> two. Hey. Hey, act like you've been there, right? <laughs> act like, <laughs> act like you've right. been there. And I kind of grew up a Cardinals fan, so I was really torn uh, because the station I was working at, uh, which now I guess is eventually this station here now years later, but uh, on the fan. But uh, they were the twins. They had the twins, and and uh, and uh, man alive! It, and I was torn because I, like I said, I grew up. It kind of a National League guy, and 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 the Cardinals with that big booming signal, it was easy to fall in love with that. And and I, you know, I t- maybe it was Ozzy Smith doing a backflip, you know, jumping out to the to the. I thought that that was kind of cool, you know, and kind of fell in love. But I love the Twins too. And then the two teams that were in my my stable of cheering for played each other. That's tough, Brad. When you got that going on, it's well, like wow. I, that was, but obviously. Yeah, it was a good win. That was 91 for me because I grew up uh, with cable TV, and some people oh. went to the Cubs. I gravitated to the Braves. Uh, yeah. Dale, Dale Murphy is still my all-time favorite player. Right. And uh, and I was and I you know obviously grew up with the Twins, and I'm still a huge Twins fan. I, the the Braves part of it has kind of faded away over time, but that's how I felt too in '91, and I felt I felt rewarded because they had both been. I mean, the Twins had won a World Series, but they had struggled for a long time, and the Braves had been terrible for years. So you almost felt like you you were rewarded with that, and, and, yeah. and, and you you couldn't lose you couldn't lose in that World Series. That's a great call on that series, uh, you know. And, and uh, for those non, if you're by the way, if you're looking for a bandwagon team, probably not a bad idea to jump on that Braves bandwagon again. By the way, in 2023, if if, if that's what it is, but yeah, that's a yeah, you can feel that. It and '91, obviously. What a series. Oh, what a series. 87, what a story, you know, and then what a series. So that's, uh, yeah, tonight, Twins and Cardinals catch that on our uh, sister station, KFGO, 
Red Hawks in Sioux City tonight uh, from uh, Lewis and Clark Park here in the uh, uh, in the greater Sioux City area. We'll have that for you. Hey, we come back. You talked about NILs and, you know, uh, North Dakota State uh, now uh, developing a, another revenue arm on the Green and Gold Collective. What is that all about? Uh, Jay Bartley spearheading that and uh, Jay, a great golfer for, for North Dakota State and in the community and, and uh, you know, and but by the he'll build it up. His daughter is a pretty good golfer too, isn't she, Brad? Uh, Lexi, yes, yes, yeah. Golf is in that, but this uh, this uh, this revenue arm is going to bring. What does it mean? Now we got uh, some sound. We'll kind of describe that a little bit more as we move along. So that's coming up next. Uh, Brad, would you like me to get you any ice from the third floor hotel here? I think uh, I think I'm good. I I did. Uh... <laughs> I up my Mountain Dew for noons. I, I think we're, we're good there, but thank you for the offer. <laughs> I notice you're big. There is yogurt left from this morning's breakfast. I know that Brad's a yogurt I guy. I am a big well. yogurt guy, yes. Yeah, awesome. All right, we'll do that next. Jack Michael <laughs> Show, Brad Anderson at 740 The Fan. You started the show talking about the calendar flipping to August. Uh, uh, before we uh, hear a little sound perhaps on the – on the new Green and Gold Collective and NIL and that, that all that kind of uh, arm of revenue. The, uh, we're not far away from from uh, a little high school football. Our, uh, the, fan, the fan added again this year, right, Brad? We're right around the corner from that. Yes, it'll start on uh, practices start, I believe, Thursday in North Dakota. And the uh, first games are August the 18th. We'll probably have a few of those early games over on uh, 104.7 FM KFGO. But uh, the first one we have scheduled August 18th, how about this for the opener? Central Cass at Kindred. Bang, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We're just, just putting going right to the deep end. I like that. Then you touch briefly on uh, on, on the baseball going on still, and, and uh, good luck to those teams that are involved in regionals or World Series, by the way, from our area and, all, and, and that. But I, I got to tell you, Brad, I've been getting a lot of messages from the from the boys back in my hometown, they're awfully excited. As good as Fargo Post 2 is, who has a legitimate, uh, real legitimate shot, I think you'd agree, of, of, of making noise at the Central Plains Regional. And we touched on it the other day. The, the, the Keybirds of 9 seed found a way. So I love it. I love it when you get a, a something that's got a little buzz in a community that uh, you don't need a little buzz in a community with its sports. So that that's happening this week, correct? Starts tomorrow, yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, that'll be good. It's always good when the Sturgis Bike Rally and the Central Plains Regional Tournament are not too far away from each other. <laughs> That's very true. So <laughs> You get that going on. Uh, collectives, Brad, are not uncommon anymore, certainly in Power 5 conferences and certain Division One Power 5 conferences. You and I could sit here and consume the next 20 minutes and talk about how uh, schools have revenue arms that are offering collective dollars, meaning that, you know, instead of individual ponds uh, for, for athletes doing, you know, maybe voice work or TV work for name it, you know, restaurants or apparel or car washes or whatever, really now in the Power Fives, Brad, it is almost a, instead of individual ponds, Big pools, you know, big pools, and and that's that's what we're really talking about here with the latest endeavor uh, for the Green and Gold Collective, correct? Uh, yes, very true. And uh, I'll get to some uh, sound here. Actually, let's uh, let's go to Matt Larson here first, and uh, just uh, had a chance to ask uh, the athletic director. Of course, uh, this is done obviously separately from the NDSU athletic department. I mean, it's just it's donors and uh, and those uh, interested in NDSU athletics, but you know, NDSU. Um, you know, obviously kinda, uh, the school needs to kind of, you know, give this group their blessing. And uh, uh, let's hear what uh, the athletic director has to say. What role did you guys play in kind of the process of this over time? Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because by the letter of the law, athletics can have a formal role in any sort of formation of collectives, negotiations yeah. with student athletes, et cetera. Yeah. But there are things that we can do in terms of endorsement and, and support from that standpoint. And so for us, we've seen because we didn't jump into this right away, we've seen the way other places have done it where they've had multiple collective startup compete against each other, compete against athletics, and, and that's not what we wanted to do. 
you know, we wanted to make sure that if it was going to get started, it was going to be started with a group that understood philosophically about Bison Athletics, what we want to do. And so the fact that alums are on the forefront trying to do this uh, is something that certainly gives us uh, great comfort. Um, and we've had open conversations about not taking away from team makers or annual support to athletics that we reinvest. This has to be not in lieu of, but in addition to, and, and that's something that Jay and his team are, are fully on board with. And I'm sure that's a possibility, too, to maybe get some new donors, somebody that wants to wants to, to give this a try, maybe specifically for a sport. I, I guess I like the idea of kind of just putting it in one pot unless it's, unless it's specifically said, I want to do this for basketball or football or such. And we do. We do that with current donors now. We have a menu of things they can give to depending on, on, on what their passion is. It could be a facility project. It could be an endowment. It could be a team maker dues, annual support. It could be specifically to a program for the coach to be able to use at a discretionary standpoint. And so you never know what's going to unlock certain things with donors. And here's another option where they can directly support our student-athletes. Um, and, you know, we've seen Bison Nation has come out time and time again to support our athletes, whether that's through ticket sales, whether it's through building facilities, and here's another avenue for them to do it. Yeah, yeah, so Matt Larson talking about that. Good questions, uh, right to the point there, Brad, on that. It's funny, you know, we, we have the landscape. We talk about the changes of the landscape, but normally if you're an institution and you have an outside source that is developing revenue to help pay, I guess for lack of any other word, or financially support a student athlete. Normally, years ago, an institution couldn't be removed far enough, Brad, from that situation. Exactly, that was like, yes. right, you didn't touch that situation. Now we live in a world uh, where, as you, you said, the first thing is, and, and Matt responded there, is having, uh, I guess, the word, the, a blessing of an institution to go forward with this uh, this thing. So in, in essence, you're kind of going, yeah, it's okay. That, that's part of our revenue arm. And again, there the, the lines in between were pretty, uh, albeit the book was thick, but distinctive on, on what would lead to maybe, you know, penalties and sanctions against because of the way dollars or who gave. Now, uh, you know, through everything, those those it's kind of been washed away. Now, obviously, you can't have some nefarious reasons why you're donating, but this is all up and up. It's on the open now. You can say, look, here we go. And uh, they're going to develop this arm through donations, and that's going to be earmarked to this. That's going to be earmarked to that. This is going to be for incoming freshmen, existing players, you know, so on and so forth. It'll be a coach's discretion. You know, they can utilize. So now that the freedoms in which this does – uh, and what I'm hearing your conversation really opens up the book. And the other thing I gleaned from this this thing, Brad, is that the schools that aren't doing some form of this. Now, we, we have Bill Chaves on. We see what UND is doing uh, with, with that arm, that other arm, and, and now what NDSU is doing. The teams that don't, Brad, I, I wonder what the data will show in the next five to seven years, you know, a recruiting class or two, uh, if if the schools like NDSU, UNDs will be able to retain more because of this, and the, the schools that don't fall behind because they're not developing arms of revenue like yep. this. That, that's what I'm curious the next, you know, four, seven years, someone like that. All right, very true. I got a chance to visit with uh, Dave Richmond as well about uh, this uh, latest development. I think it's a tremendous, tremendous day, and in, in, um, for most importantly for our student athletes, uh, who we do this for, and um, just a great opportunity to um, expose some things that, that are happening around the country. I, I mean that it, kindly when I say expose. To um, I'm all for our, our student athletes. I'm all for helping our student athletes with the utmost character and integrity, and really just really appreciative of Jay Bartley, his efforts behind this. I, I know it's not something that you just roll out. Uh, he's put a lot of time into this. He's very passionate about it and extremely excited to see where this goes. As a coach, there's probably only so much you can kind of direct, but uh, I guess what are the things that you can kind of direct to Jay and the people behind this? Well, I, I want people to know that whether you 
like it or not, and, and all that's coming with the, the transfer portal with NIL, this is the reality of the, the chair that I sit in, that we sit in as, as coaches, as head coaches in particular this day and age. And um, if, if you're proud of Bison Athletics, if you want to continue to see us have the success that we've been having and, and, and grow, keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, these are things that are happening. These are things that our peers are doing. Uh, these are things that, the, that we hope to continue to strive towards as, as we talk about peers at a higher level. Um, so this is here. This is something that we need everybody to continue to hopefully get on board with um, and, and support our student-athletes. When, uh, when, in the last couple of years since this has really taken full swing, to what extent, like when, you, when you're talking to your current players or players you're looking to recruit, where in the where in the on the chart does it uh, does it rank? Well, let me be clear. This isn't something that we're speaking, you know, yep. to recruits about. I mean, yep. certainly there are conversations that come up, and yep. and, and we talk about opportunities. Yep. Um, but we're, we're not ever going to use this with me as the leader of India Shoe Men's Basketball. Yep. We're never going to use this as come here based on X amount of dollars or score this amount of points and you're going to get X. This isn't like Jay mentioned. These are opportunities to unforeseen circumstances to help our guys that are sacrificing a lot these are this is a, a legal uh, thing that the NCAA has provided and so from a principal standpoint this is something we needed um, and something that we can continue to grow our program based on uh, as far as other conference schools do you you know any idea what kind of you know things that you know that maybe some of the hoop maybe some of the things of the hoops they've had to jump through uh, with all due respect, don't know, don't care. Okay. Um, just meaning like uh, we, we've tried to focus on us and, and take care of our business. Uh, it's my assumption that, you know, that some of these are going on to what level, to what extent. Um, I, I don't know. Um, based on past experiences, I know when, when NDSU, um, NDSU supporters do something, yep. it's to a high level. So, Summer, how's that going? You got some guys in getting some work done? Yeah, I mean, we're in full practices right now based on our, our trip to Costa Rica. So we've uh, had four practices last week. We'll have four practices this week, and, and we leave Saturday, August 5th, and head to Costa Rica for a, for, for a week. How long, uh, how many games, how much uh, competition do you get when you're down there? We'll play two games. Uh, competition, you have no idea. It could be a team <laughs> training for the Olympics, and, and you're going to get smashed. It could be a team with six, seven guys right off the street. So um, that, that's not it for us coaches. Uh, blending in a new assistant, Luke Strage, uh, the practices are vital. They're very beneficial. Um, and then this the experience for us to be over there as a Bison family is just a tremendous opportunity. We'll be playing games in Costa Rica Sunday and Monday while they are down there. That that sounds like it's going to be warm also, Brad. Maybe, Probably. Uh, <laughs> very much the, uh, the case. So I, I know that we're up against the clock here, but what you heard from Dave, again, great questions, Brad. Uh, the integrity. If you ask any coach, it's tough to do it now because uh, of the NIA, because of what what is luring players away. So you lose guys. We always talked about coaches in college now not only have to recruit new players coming in, they've got to recruit existing players. And But Dave's saying the integrity, we don't dangle that as, as the reason. It's tradition. It's this. It's that. And that's, that's a benefit on top of it. But I'll tell you, arms like this of revenue do help. Uh, certainly uh, those coaches as well. But uh, good stuff today from, from Matt there and, uh, and, and Dave and, our, and Dick Bremer today on the show. And uh, baseball tonight, Bradley, 645 the pregame, 705 the first pitch, the Red Hawks in Sioux City. Jake Dykoff going for Fargo-Moorhead tonight. Austin Drury going for Sioux City. And the Twins and the Cards on KFGO tonight in uh, game one of that series. We'll pick it up and do it on a hump day as we are into August on the Jack Michael Show. Common Man is next on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM KNFL. <laughs>